God, we praise your holy name. Grant us the fresh touch of your holy hand, O oh great God. Let the presence of the Almighty be upon us. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, dear God. How great is our God. Oh, yes. How great is our God. How great is our God. How great. How great is our God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God and thank God. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give our God a big hand this morning. 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you have a Bible, I'm going to turn your attention this morning, at least I would like to, to the book of Hebrews. If you have difficulty finding that, go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and just work your way backwards looking for Hebrews. I want to tell you, we had a while you're getting that, we had a wonderful uh, yard sale yesterday, and the Lord blessed us. We made right at $1,000. Give God a big hand. Amen. Thank God. And I'm sure if I call names, I'm going to forget somebody, not on purpose, and, uh, but we had a tremendous team, and so much was accomplished, and very, very thankful. Uh, we're probably not going to have any more for a while, and definitely not at the South Bay location. Next time we plan to have one, we'll have it the parking lot here. But uh, very thankful. It was a really, really good day. And I'm very happy to be in church with you this morning. And uh, Hebrews chapter 7, we have a great church, we have a great team, and our God is certainly a great God. Amen urge you to get involved, be a part of the work of the Lord. Just a simple, well, maybe not so simple, but a, a short verse. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 7. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Everybody said amen. I'd like to work on knowing your place in the big picture. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Now, you know, Jesus told people not to let their hearts be troubled. And that's because he's taking care of business. He's doing good things. He's got so many wonderful things planned. And uh, I want you to find your place in the grand scheme of things. You to find your place. Jesus said that he was going to Calvary and that in so doing he was preparing a place for you. Some people think, you know, uh, talking about a big mansion up there and silly nonsense, natural thinking like that. Uh, be better for you to Think about your dwelling place in the body of Christ. Be much wiser for you to think spiritually that he made a place for you. A very reserved spot, uh, a niche, just where you fit, that's made for you, created for you. He did that. And uh, nobody else can take your spot. So if you don't pull in there, be born again in there and remain in there, in that spot, in that place, then it's not, it's, it's going to be empty. It's not going to be filled. And uh, Jesus, in the days of his flesh, when the invisible God chose to show himself visibly, when the Spirit robed himself in flesh, then the Bible teaches you 
that in he doing that and going about in the days of his flesh to do good, to help people, to help them find their way, came into darkness, great darkness, and he brought a great light, his marvelous light, caused it to spring up. People were, like I tell my wife, when it's time to go and I'll say now, don't be wandering in circles. Let's get going. Because, you know, so all those last minute things and, and uh, so that's what we call it, wandering in circles. Don't be going in circles. And uh, people are prone to be going in circles. Or at least maybe not even a circle, just erratically going in all kinds of lack of direction ways. And, uh, but the Lord... He wants to give you direction. He wants to give you not just purpose, but eternal purpose. He wants you to really know where you're going. He wants you to envision it and see it, grasp it, and embrace it. Much like Simeon of old, when a humble young girl, mother, came with her husband. They showed up at the church house. Good place to show up at. Saw a man this morning on my way back from the radio station and uh, stepped out of the vehicle and there was a little shiny thing there on the parking lot and I walked over and it was a penny. And he was leaning against the front of the 7-Eleven, you call it, or whatever, and uh, the convenience store. And he saw me pick up the penny. He said, that's good luck. I said, I got something better than luck. I said, I've got the blessing of the Lord. And so he said, he agreed with me about that. And uh, he agreed with me about that. And I went in and did a little thing, got a water and came out. And he was, I noticed he was had a, a, a Bible next to him. And so I said, uh, he was Spanish. I said, to leer la Biblia. You read the Bible? He said, yes. And I said, I said, um, to leer inglés or español? Spanish or English? He said, English. I said, okay. Well, then I knew which track to give him, right? So I went and as I was going to my car, I, I got an English track and I handed it to him and I flipped it over and pointed out Acts 2.38, told him it was the most important verse in the Bible and told him to read it. And uh, hope, hopefully he did. I hope that he will come out, told him to come to the church today. And I hope he will. hope he'll show up here and and get some direction, get some purpose, get some insight to God's plan, because God's got a plan. And when a young mother and her husband showed up at the church house, and they brought their baby, according to the teachings of the Word of God, the law, to be presented. And so, in doing that, the Bible teaches that there came a Simeon who had been in the church house. He was pretty much always in the church house. And he came and he immediately, being in the Holy Ghost, he swept up that child and he began to proclaim, began to say, Now mine eyes have seen thy salvation, O Lord. Oh, brother, when you get to see the salvation of God, when you get your understanding open, 
when that which your, as it is written, my heart, up here, not down here, my heart panteth after thee. And I'm just longing in all these days and weeks and months and years, and I didn't, wasn't even sure that that's what it was all about. But now I realize, like the, the deer that's been run by the hunter, run through the woods and leaped over logs and gone through brambles and bushes and across little creeks and fords. And he's feeling it. He's breathing heavy. But he comes to that place where the waters are still and the grass is green. And the, he's panting for that refreshing taste of water. He said, so panteth I after thee, Lord. Man, we need God. We need God. We need a, an awareness. We need to raise our awareness factor that everything I've been chasing after, every place I've been going, everything I've been hunting through this and hunting through that and trying this and trying that, not realizing that inside of me there's an inner man, there's an inner person, and that I'm panting. Deep is calling unto deep. I need to get an answer. I need to get an answer. This young couple in the house of God, boy, they were hearing it. The preacher was laying it on them, Holy Ghost, ministering through him. And all the while, he's soaking it up himself. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now I can depart in peace. Well, yes. You, I had somebody the other day at the uh, little business down the street, and uh, I think I told you the young man, he said that, Hell is paved with a golden road of good intentions. And I said, well, I agree with you except for the golden part. No golden hell. No golden hell. But uh, in, in discussing, there was two or three people there. And I believe Casey's sister was there, actually. And... Uh, she said, well, and I, I said, I said, I don't want to go find out about that hell part. I'm not interested in going there. And the young man said he wasn't either. And uh, so I made a statement or two, because, you know, preach is building. <laughs> I'm in a place where people are talking about God. Give me an opportunity, and it's building, friends. Just like Simeon of old, looking at that young couple. Holding that baby. Oh, yeah. And so I said, uh, I said a thing or two, and Casey's sister said, said, uh, well, everybody is not as assured of their salvation as you are. And that's true. That's true. But, you know, I wasn't always aware of this salvation. I didn't have it. I was, so I wasn't. The assurance wasn't on the inside. God was assuring you can have this. But I, I wasn't, I hadn't gotten to the place yet, unfortunately. And I'd been pushing it off and I'd been, you know, just running through everything, going everywhere, kept involving myself with everything else, as we often do. But then one day, by the grace of God, 
My eyes of my understanding, the Bible used that terminology. The eyes of my understanding got enlightened. Woo! The light bulb went on. You know, between Eddie and Tom and Patrick, we got a, a light bulb came on over here. Thank God for that. And uh, but but I got my eyes enlightened. I got my understanding enlightened. And I began to see what is the hope. And I didn't have to live a hopeless life. I didn't have to go through like the fellow wandering in the catacombs, constantly hurting himself. We hurt ourselves so much. We had self-inflicted wounds. And after a while, we've been in the wrong pattern, in the wrong rut. So long, you know, a rut after a while gets both sides kicked out and it becomes a grave. That's not a good thing. And, uh, but we just find ourselves in a pretty bad spot bought in a pretty bad state or condition. But God, God is reaching. He's saying, I've got a place for you. I've got a place for you. For you specifically. I've got it. It's got your name on it. It's custom made. I had a man tell me yesterday, came out to the building, running between here and the yard sale, and I got over here and met with this guy, Pastor Hopper and John, and and uh, we talking about doors, big double door for the sanctuary and other doors in the building. And he, he said, doesn't matter. He said, it's all custom made. He said, we'll make it to just exactly what you want and what you need. I want you to understand this morning that God knows you. He knows your every need. The Bible talked about him measuring the dust of the earth. You know? He knows everything about you. He knows every need. He knows the crazy thoughts in your head. <laughs> he knows all the inconsistencies and all the difficulties and all the struggles, and all the confusions that you have. He knows all the shortcomings faults and the failures. And he knows the good things too. I'm glad of that. I'm glad of that. But uh, this eternal God, this one true wise eternal God, you must recognize that he is the better. He is the better. Kind of a theme, key word in the book of Hebrews, the word better. This whole truth is founded upon better promises. Yes, sir. So you need to know that you're the less. You need to know that he is God and that his ways are above our ways. Don't play chess with God. You will get checkmated. Okay. Don't play games with God, period. Don't let the devil trick you into doing that. You need to sit back and realize, wait a minute, I don't want to joust with God. I don't want to fence with God. I don't want to play games with God. I don't want to fight with God. I don't want to take that kind of stance in my life. He's, he's the better. He's the better. And I'm the less. Without all contradiction without any contradiction. 
That's an unequivocal statement. That's a true statement. That's a balanced statement that God is the better, that we are the servants here. We are the less here. We are the ones that need to be in subjection. You know, if you're in the flesh, then you're not in subjection. You're not subject. You're not able to be subject to the law of God. God says, do this, and your flesh says, I'm doing that. God says, come over to church, and I'm going somewhere else. God says, be baptized in Jesus' name, and ah, one of these days. The Lord says, I'll give you the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, I'm a little tired right now. You know? I've got this place to go, and I've got that place to go, and oh, I've got to be online. Some people, <laughs> I told Brandon last night, I said, man, I said, you look at people and they are, they are so taken with everything, uh, cyberspace and electronically, that it, it's like without it, they don't feel like they've got any value. Let me tell you, you have a soul. That means you have an eternal part of you, a life. And that's the most valuable thing you've got. And you need to know that. What would you give in exchange for your soul? What could you possibly? You think an Apple iPhone is going to do it? You think you could trade? The only thing that's going to be good for your soul is the salvation of God. You need to know that. You need to know that no amount of money, no amount of electronics, and the only cloud I'm really interested in is that great cloud of witnesses, the book said. And they're rooting for you. They're cheering you on. They're encouraging you to get with it. To get in this race. And to run this race. And to do it with direction from God, not as one that beateth against the air. You know, if you were to get in the ring, and there were judges, along with the referee, they're going to score how many times you hit. <laughs> if you're constantly missing the guy, you're going to break a lot of sweat, and you're going to get tired. But no points. It's like the when I first came in the church and helped my pastor build and uh, I didn't know anything, nothing about building. And I, oh, I was the rookie, and they had a lot of fun with me. And, uh, but I, I remember things that I learned and was taught on the job. I had a lot of OJT, on-the-job training. <laughs> and uh, I remember being out there and learning, trying to pay attention, trying to pick up on the different things that are going on and how it's to be done. And uh, as you come into the church, there are things you need to pick up on. There are things you need to grow in. There's things that you need to learn about the great work of God. And you, you need to learn how great He is, how much better He is, and how that we are 
on the receiving end of things. He's on the giving end. We're on the receiving end. As it is written, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? What hast thou that thou didst not receive? I have life. He gave it to you. I have strength. He gave it to you. I have good health. He gave it to you. You have a brain like a computer. He gave it to you. Amen. And on and on we could go. We are certainly, certainly. Abraham. Think about Abraham. Abraham who God called. And he stepped out by faith. And he was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Brother, he stepped out by faith. And one day, he hit a wall. And Abraham, God spoke to him. And God said, lift up your eyes. What do you see? I see stars. Now, a lot of times we have man up here. And sometimes I get up a whole lot earlier than man up. And I leave him little signals. I turn the lights off. And the alarm is off. And I'll lock the door when I leave. They'll know I've been here. I hope they feel it. hope they feel it good and warmed up. But uh, what I'm saying is, is that that early in the morning, if it's a clear morning, clear sky, you look up, friend, you can see a lot of stars. You can see them. They're just blinking away up there. Oh, friend, you know God knows every name of every star. Isn't that amazing? How wonderful, how great our God is, how much better he is. He is the author. He is the author of this thing. He's the lawgiver. He's the one friend that measured it all. The waters in the breath of in the in the breath or the depth, the width of his hand. How great is our God? How great is our God? That he could measure the dust of the earth. My goodness. What a great God we serve. Amen. And he's uh He's looking at you, just like he looked at Abraham and Abraham. And he said, what do you see? He said, I see the stars. He said, good, count them. Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that, Lord. Hey, how about the sand by the seashore? You want to count that for me? That's immeasurable, God. Yeah, okay. He said, well, guess what? He said, that's the kind of blessings I'm going to give you. As the stars of the heavens and the sand of the seashore. He said, that's, that's how much I'm going to bless you. You know, the Bible said that after a great battle in which Abram, Abraham took the trained servants that were born in his own house and went out to rescue a very selfish, unthankful, unappreciative nephew by the name of Lot. Fought five kings. And whooped the socks off of them. Abraham did. Come back from that battle. Who's he run into? He runs into Melchizedek. I guess it's kind of like the guy said, and we, by the way, I, I need to tell you, we have a preacher coming in this week. He'll be here Wednesday night and Friday night, so prepare your schedules. And I know you would be here Wednesday night anyway, right? And uh, but I need you to, I need you to. <laughs> it, 
There's a few of you smiling. Don't smile, because when you're not here, I'm not happy. And when I'm not, when I'm not happy, who am I? <laughs> so don't cause me to lose my identity. So anyway, uh, but he will be here, and uh, I want you to look forward to it, because Brother McKillop is a wonderful preacher. He's coming all the way from Cal- uh, Canada, and I uh, tried to get him to bring his dad, but that couldn't be worked out. He was already off preaching. But we're get a doubleheader one of these days. But um, Abraham ran into Melchizedek. And Abraham grabbed his checkbook and wrote a check for a tenth and gave it to Melchizedek. He said, a tenth of all that I possess, I give to thee. And it said, now you consider, you consider Melchizedek now, how great this man was. You ever hear him talk... uh, who Melchizedek was, and they come up with some of the weirdest way out things. Brother Colbert, he called him this man. Just because there was no genealogy. Well, I don't have a genealogy. I don't. You know, I guess I could pay so much money and they could trace me down, and the family down somewhere. I really don't care anything about my natural genealogy. It's of no consequence whatsoever but I know who my pastor was friend I know that one and I know who his pastor was and that that's what I need to know I need to know my spiritual lineage I need to know that the spiritual life is life and peace I need to know that the carnal is the enemy of God And it's not subject, neither can be subject to the law of God. So i got to be born again. I've got to get this salvation of God. There needs to be a change in me. I need to put off the old, put on the new. I need to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that transports me, that translates me out of darkness into his marvelous light. That places me in that spot, that place that he made for me. Puts me right in there. And it fits good. It feels good. It's got peace that passes all understanding. It's got the love of God that I cannot measure. It gives me access. You talk about a computer. It gives me access to him that measures the water in his hands. Whose thoughts are not my thoughts. Whose ways are not my ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above my ways. But I get access to it. Oh, I get access to it. Oh, I get access to the better. (laughs) I get access to the better. Amen. I realize. He up there, he down here. I got that. I finally got that straight when I got born again. When I saw my need to repent and tell God that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being so sorry. And he forgave me. It was a marvelous feeling. You know, I think I've told you, I, I, I was just started coming to church and I'd been chomping through the Bible. And uh, I uh, 
I got in, invited to a church service after several weeks working with a gentleman, being a brother, being a witness to and reading the Bible and asking questions and getting Bible answers. And uh, he invited me to church that Wednesday night, and I went. My wife came with me. And uh, hadn't been around too long, and I, I re- of course, realized I needed to repent. And so I, I did. I, I got before the Lord, and I told him I was sorry, and told him, re- rehearsed some of the things I'd done wrong, and I knew were wrong, and I was sorry about it. Came to church, and after church, I went up. My pastor was sitting. I went up, and I told him. I said, Brother Dunn, I said, I, I, don't, I won't be baptized. He said, you need to repent. Now, the old me, see, I, I would have come back, and I would have said, well, I did repent. But there was something new working in my life. And when the man of God said, you need to repent, inside of me, I said, well, I guess I better go do that again and be a little more thorough about it. So I, I just said, yes, sir. And uh, so I got in my little car, little car that I sold, had to sell to pay for the first baby. And uh, I... um. You know, there, would have been, there was a time in my life when I wouldn't have parted with that little car, that little 1961 MGA with red leather interior, nice shiny ebony black exterior. I wouldn't have parted with that. But you know, when I got the Holy Ghost, that car didn't mean nothing. <laughs> it just didn't mean anything. It was, I was seeing the bigger plan, the bigger scheme of things. And I went out in that car that night and I, Got down to the college and I climbed the fence and got into the football field area and I got on my knees and I started calling on God. It was dark and late. Stars were out. I don't know if anybody was anywhere within hearing distance, but I certainly lifted up my voice. And I began to tell God again how sorry I was, how I needed his forgiveness. I wanted to repent. And, uh, you know, I found out that night that God listens because he started talking back to me. And he started reminding me of things that I hadn't coughed up yet. You know, hidden things. Things that I didn't even want to face myself. But, friend, he reached way down deep inside the hidden chambers of my heart. And he began to pull that out of me, drag that out of me. And I began, oh, yeah, okay, Lord, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You knew about that, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. And I began to cough it up. I began to weep, and I began to cry. I began to, well, when I left, I think that fence must have been eight foot tall, but I felt like I just leaped over it, jumped in the car, going home. I didn't hardly know any songs, but I knew a few. <laughs> I mean, a few words of a few songs. Of you know, uh, I knew them sinner songs. But not anymore. I wasn't listening to those songs anymore. And I told you, I took all my, my music and, and I threw it all in the lake. I, I, I wanted to do something. I wanted to make a statement. I had to make a statement one time in this church house. Well, I'm sure one among many, but one. I tore down a whole wall <laughs> to, to deliver a statement. And uh, so I'm telling you, I... I I wanted to make a statement, so friend, I, I took uh, all my worldly music, all my dirty, nasty, filthy junk, 
And I threw it away. I threw it in the lake. I wouldn't pass that on to anybody else. I didn't want them to have that. And uh, other things followed that lake. You're talking about a dead sea, friend. I dropped it in there. Dead sea. But uh, I began to see that there was a, a whole lot bigger thing here, a bigger picture. And I wanted to become a part of that. I wanted to grow into that. I wanted to be born again into that. So I went back to the pastor and I said, okay. I said, I did what you said. And now my wife and I, we want to be baptized together. He said, all right. Set a date. And, uh, you know, if you set a date, it'll roll around, as my pastor used to say. So we set the date. And when you would come into the church house just before you got in, uh, on the right-hand side, there was a big old tank, a metal tank. I guess it was tin, I don't know, some kind of metal. And uh, filled it up, and he rolled up his sleeves, and people gathered around, and we got baptized. We got baptized. Yes, sir, it was, it was November of 1970. Woo, that was a long time ago. Some of you weren't even here then. I mean, you hadn't been born yet much less born again yet. <laughs> but, uh, yes, sir, we were just young pups. We got baptized that day in the name of Jesus Christ. And what a feeling it was to be baptized in that name and all the blood to wash us clean, take away all of our sin, all of our dirt, come up out of that water just feeling so good, lifting our hearts with our hands and praying and calling on the name of Jesus. A couple of weeks later, the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. A couple of months later, the Lord filled a young mother who had just delivered her first child with the Holy Ghost and uh, right in front of her own natural mother. <laughs> Boy, that was something. Oh, yeah. A very uh, deeply committed Italian Catholic, Roman Catholic, watched her own daughter get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Friend, by the grace of God, we've never looked back. Forty-four years down the road, we've never looked back. We're so glad for the grace of God and for that place that He gave us in the church. The Bible talked about the sparrow, lone little sparrow. You know, sometimes you ride over to West Palm or ride back, you might see those little darting birds. They're like little fighter jets. And you'll see the bigger black hawks, and they'll be out there. And you'll see those little sparrows. Boy, they're chasing those little hawks. I mean, they're yeah, those, those they're hard. they're small hawks, but they're still bigger than the sparrow. Well, they're chasing them all over, and those hawks are running. And uh, but the Lord said He could take that sparrow that sits all by himself, and He could make him a place. Oh yes, God can give you a place. You don't have to be lonely anymore. You don't have to be an outcast anymore. You don't have to feel that you don't, you're a misfit. You don't have to feel that way anymore because he's made a place for you. Uh, I often have told Clarissa, standing right there as a young person, testifying and quoting the scripture, how that, that we become accepted in Christ. There's a lot of places. I don't think I can go to the Sailfish Club. I don't believe I would be accepted in there. I don't think I could go to the Everglades Club. I wouldn't be accepted there. And uh, if the Elks Club was having a 
an Elks Club meeting lodge thing, I wouldn't be accepted in there. Not that I want to be in any of those places. I don't. The Yacht Club, I wouldn't be accepted there. Okay? But I am now, because I'm baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy I am accepted in the body of Christ. He made a place for me. He made a place for me. Just like the fella, like much like myself, that came out of the catacombs. Nobody could do anything with him. He didn't listen to anybody. He just wasn't going to listen to anybody. And his own family, friends, couldn't do nothing with him. He came out of those catacombs that day because the Spirit of the Lord was calling him. Friend, I'm sure he came out of there with wild, woolly hair and unshaven, dirty and unclean and nasty voice and nasty words with a nasty mind. And... uh came out of there, friend. He's stumbling and going in a direction. Now, there's a, a force that's got a hold of him and it's pulling him. He's trying to go right, trying to go left because he's used to going in different weird directions with no kind of direction at all. But he couldn't seem to go that way and he couldn't turn back. He just keep, kept being pulled to go forward. And at a distance, he spots this, this man. He's right on the shore. Just stepped out of the boat. Boy, it gets a hold of this guy. Inside, the inner man has been awakened. And he, a door is beginning to open. A light is beginning to shine. Hope has sprung up in a hopeless life. He comes and falls at the feet of this man. He's not kneeled before anybody. He beat everybody up. He broke the chains and would swing them at people. Now, friend, he is subdued. He is submitted. Jesus asks him, what is your name? You know, number one, we're talking about the God of all eternity who chose as an invisible God to show himself visibly. Who knows everything. Who has condescended to this man who is of such low estate that the great eternal God took time out of his schedule. And I want to say a very limited schedule because the days of his flesh were not very long. And his ministry in those days of his flesh was even shorter. But just like he said one day about a little woman in a city, told his disciples, I must needs go to this city. And they said, come on, Lord, it's lunchtime. Maccabees is calling Caramel, frappe, something. He's calling me. I need my noon picker-upper. The Lord said, well, you go right ahead, but I've got meat to eat that you know not of. There's something pulling me. i got to go. Well, friend, that 
That tug and that pull got a hold of him one day and he got on a boat. And he said, let's go over here. Oh, man, that's just a little old island. There's nothing. Gadara, we don't want to go there. There's no Walmart there. We don't want to go there. Man, no amusement parks there. No roller coasters. No magic mountain. We don't want to go there. Come on, Lord, we got better places to go. And being fishermen, we got better fish to fry. Lord said, get in the boat. They headed over. Friend, Jesus was on the shore waiting for one man. One individual. Dirty, nasty, hateful, done much harm. Not one thing about him could anybody say good. Friend, he was he was like a, a planet or a star caught in, or, in an orbit, a gravitational pull. Boom. And this guy comes. There wasn't anything physically that you would look at him and, and be attracted to him. He'd, he'd be repulsed. Ah! You go take a bath, dude. I can smell you a football field away. Get some scope. Get some secret or something. You obviously got a secret that none of us want to know anything about. This guy came, friend. He thought, what is your name? The God who knows everything. Looking down. What is your name? He said, my name is Legion. For we're many. I'm a big problem here. There's not just one devil in me. There's a whole bunch of devils in me. I got a whole lot of problems. I'm being torn to pieces going in all kinds of directions. I was in a place just recently, and I, they played over a loudspeaker a song by a very famous, still famous, departed singer. And you know, when I heard that, I just felt such a sadness. Such a sadness. People, people are lost. And I mean, some are really lost because they're beyond this dimension. They've, they're not in the house anymore. They've left. They're gone. They have no chance any longer because they were always going in a different direction, always chasing something else. People chasing rainbows because they're told there's a, a pot at the end of the, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But they keep getting to the end of the rainbow and they find the pot and it's just an empty one with a bunch of IOUs in it. Just a bunch of bills. <laughs> just a bunch of debt. But Jesus takes your debt away. You hear me? Jesus takes the sin debt away. His blood washes you clean. How much debt had this guy accumulated? Kneeling at the feet of Jesus confessing, I got many devils. Wild eyes. I need help. And then the devil started begging. Oh, don't you like that part of the account? The devil started begging. Oh, God, don't cast us out. 
Don't cast us into the deep. Oh, Jesus, don't do this. No, you've come before our time. We've got a little more time to, to create havoc. We can, we can go to some parties and some homes tonight and we can cause crime and mischief and violence. Murder. We can do it. We still got a little time. Don't, don't, don't cast us out into the deep. Even the devil's afraid of hell. You say, well, he don't know nothing. Really? The Bible said he knows there's one God. That's a whole lot more than a lot of people I know. That they know. They don't know that. The Bible said in him knowing that scriptural truth that he trembles. No matter how much he runs his mouth, no matter how much he tries to weight your mind down and cause all kinds of bad thoughts and doubting thoughts, you just remember he knows there's one God and he trembles. And you know the name of that one God. Amen. And you need to make sure that you're baptized in that one name. And make sure that you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost that's sent in that one name. And get that born again experience that puts you in the one church that he built and started and commissioned and sent forth. And is here today, this morning, again, to tell you again that you must be born again. You must do this. You must wake up. Amen. And Jesus, Jesus casted those devils out. He even had mercy on the devil. He said, all right, I'll just send you to a bunch of pigs over there. You can go torment those pigs. Well, they tormented the pigs, all right, until the pigs couldn't stand it. And they ran off the edge of a mountain, off of a cliff, and plunging into the lake below and drowned. My goodness. And some people. Let me tell you, people that don't have this truth and aren't letting God's Spirit deal with them, and they're in the flesh, and they're carnal, and they're not subject, and neither can be, and the things, spiritual things of God are foolishness to them. Those people came out of the town. Yeah, they came out of the town, and they saw that them pigs got drowned. And then they looked, and they saw Jesus. And they looked again, and they saw the dude, and they hardly recognized him. Because, you know, there's a change when you get this experience. There's a darkness that leaves you. There's a light that you are given. We had one woman one time. She, her husband backslid, and she followed him like a foolish woman and took all the kids and everything. A total of nine went out. After years of living for God. And uh, littlest one was just a baby, a newborn baby. And she was down by true value. Give them a plug this morning. Western Auto and down there. And, and uh, one of our sisters, who's very perceptive, very insightful. Except for one I have to correct her. You know, sometimes she needs a little spanking. But uh, maybe that's why she's so sharp. But uh, she came out of true value and she saw this backslidden sister coming. And she stopped and she looked at her. And she called her name and she said, You've lost your light! 
See, there's a difference when you go back, too. The Bible talked about a darkness and said, How great is that darkness? It was bad when you came in and God delivered you. But you go like the sow that was washed back to the watering in the mire and the dog back to the vomit and gobble that back up again. The Bible said the last state, the last condition is worse then than it was when you first came to God. You've exceeded. You've gone beyond that. And I don't know about you, but mine was very bad. And I've had people say to me, you just don't know how far God has brought me from. I was way out there. There's nothing to go back to. There's every reason to go forward. Every reason to go forward. Every good thing is in the church and in the plan of God. And let me tell you, the plan is getting bigger. And God, the more you learn about Him, the bigger God gets to you. Yes. The greater He gets to you. The better this is. And you recognize more and more that you got up and you were able to breathe. I went to Wilson Sitzfeld. We went and prayed for Sister Jackie Jones. We left there and we drove over to wherever St. Mary's is technically. I don't know if that's Riviera Beach. I think it is. Okay, the greater area. Thank you for the taxi girl. God bless you. As a woman that knows the maps and the roads. Okay, I know how to get there though. <laughs> I can do that. West Palm. Falls within those lines of West Palm. We went, we went, we felt like we went to the bowels of hell because the intensive care unit is in the old part of St. Mary's Hospital, down below ground floor one. It's not on the first level. It's down, you have to push G. Down. And brother, we're walking through and it's it's dim. And it's dreary. And you don't feel a very comforting spirit going through there. And then you get lost. Where's that ICU at again? Did they say turn left or turn right? You know. But finally you you find the sign and you follow the arrow and you and you get there. And they you press the buzzer and you get a little weird voice comes on. Who are you here to see? I'm here to see Vernon Small. All right, go ahead and push the door. You push the door, in you go. You step into Spookville. There's machines and computers and wires and tubes, different rooms. You get to that counter in your nurse's station, and it's almost like you're invisible. They don't even see you. They're just doing their thing or whatever they're doing, having their conversation. And finally, they look up at you. Vernon Small. Oh, he's over there. Thank you. No feeling of being welcome at all. There is no, uh, what we're trying to instill in our young ladies, there's no hospitality in the hospital. You know the word 
hospitality and hospital there. Yeah, it's there. And, and so there's no, you're not feeling any hospitality. You're not feeling somebody's greeting you and we're so glad you've come to ICU today and the intensive care unit and you're here to pray for somebody, you know. And uh, there's none of that. It's just a very unwelcome feeling. And you know, you have to get past all of that. You have to get past looks like Jesus did with this fellow. Got past, the minute I, we walked in that ICU, it was a bad odor. And uh, I'm sure that that fellow before Jesus had a terrible odor. Jesus ignored it. Reminds me of the couple that, that went to like Southeast Asia. Can't remember if it was India or Thailand, Cambodia, somewhere. But they went there from some great metropolitan complex known as Lick Skillet in Louisiana. Just some little hole in the ground. And they went to Southeast Asia to bring the gospel. And God put them in the middle of a leper colony. And the wife was, don't touch me, don't touch me, looking at noses that were eaten off, ears that were eaten off, fingers that were nubbed because the the cancer-like leprosy, like a flesh-eating MRSA, eating up everything. One man, long robes, you know, like kids will do. You never put your arms up in there because you're cold. Well, his arm was up there because there was no hand. Just had a nub. He stuck at his nub. And she was like, you know. So one day after they'd been there for a while, his preacher's wife, God woke her up that morning early and uh, told her to go to pray. So she went to where they were having church, and it was a place with a stone floor. They didn't have any carpet. And uh, it's a third world country, you know. And so she, she went in there, and it's a leper colony at that. So believe me, it's not the Hyatt or the Hilton or anything like that. And so she went in, and she had come prepared to pray. She brought her blanket, and she stretched her blanket out. God said, no, you set that blanket aside. You get right down on that stone floor. She's thinking about all the leprosy and all the running fluids, you know, all that stuff. She's looking at that floor, dark in the morning. Okay, God. She eases down to her knees. God said, no, you're going to lay flat. She lays out flat. She begins to pray. And God gave her mercy for those lost people. You know, we got a leper colony not too far away. We got a tri city leper area, if you ask me. And God wants us to have a burden to get people 
to see their need of God, to see their need of their place, to see that they are the less, yes, but that He is the better, that He is greater than their sin. He is greater than their sicknesses. He is greater than all of their problems. He is greater. I recently had a preacher's wife complaining to me. And I was appalled. I was like, where is the thankfulness? Where is the appreciation? And I, I said, you know, when people tell me that all they've got is a dump, that's a little difficult for me. Because you got seven families using one bathroom and there's no running water. Now that's a dump. And I, I told that person, I said, you, you need to come to reach. You need to come to reach. You need to come to the loading ramp area. Do you know I love to bring people to town, preachers, their wives, and I love to drive them through, and I tell them, now this is my Belgrade. And I said, and we, we're going to reach people everywhere in our area. This is what the work of God is all about. This is who Jesus died for on the cross. Shed his blood. Truly, the less is blessed of the better. Yeah. And Abraham said, I recognize that. I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to give you a tenth of all I possess. That's right in your Bible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to be a part of the grand scheme of things. You want to. I had a man tell me about our program, a brother, and God recently blessed him in his business. And I was congratulating him on that blessing received from God. And he said, it's because of this. He recognized that he's a small but yet important and significant part of something bigger than himself. That God's not blessing me just to bless me. You know, God deliver us from selfishness. God deliver us from squeamish, squeamishness. The next time that she got up off that floor of prayer with victory, Next time that brother came and he hit his nub because he knew it offended her, she said, no. She said, you put that out and shake hands with me. It's all right. She had a change in her. Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost will make a good change in us, and we need to be changed from day to day, from service to service, from victory to victory, from faith to faith. We don't need to waste services. We need to come for a change. We need to come for a greater burden. We need to come and recognize He's better and that we're the blessed. We are the blessed. You, know, you can remain standing. I'll go to church if I want to. Really? Well, I'll give if I feel like it. Really? Well, my budget. Well, <laughs> Jesus was watching. He was doing the books one day. He watched people that had plenty give up their abundance and give it rather stingily. And then, remembering that it all comes from God. And, uh, and then he watched the little woman, shuffled her way up, 
opened her purse and tink, out came a quarter of a penny. And Jesus said, now that is given. And they're all said, well, these others gave her their abundance. They had plenty left. I recently had somebody tell me how much tithing they gave. And when they told me the figure, I said, well, think about the 90% you retained. Maybe you should think about that. You only had to give 10. God gave you 90. Gets a little quiet sometimes when you get to that part. I have no figure, church family. We, we can't give enough. And I'm not talking to you this morning about money. I don't mean that at all. I'm just telling you that God, please give me an attitude adjustment. Let me see it right. Let me feel it right. Let me experience it correctly. Let me realize that you're the better and that I'm the blessed one. And I'm, I'm the recipient here. What have I that I have not? I went into Brother Small with scenes of film. And I tell you, tubes coming out of everywhere. If you let that bother you, it'll, it'll rob your faith. It'll hinder your faith. We had to ignore all the tubes. We had to ignore all the different stuff going on around legs and feet and some kind of casts and boots or something. Just had to ignore that. And pray. Trying to believe God. Oh yeah. In a, in a whole sick area with people and you're hearing the hum and the beeping and seeing the lead lights of all the different machinery. But you know, we know the God of it all. The one that put all the lights in the heavens. And the one one day is going to turn them off. Because he's going to be the light in that place. Oh, how marvelous that's going to be. Won't need that burning, fiery star 93 million miles away. We won't need that for light anymore. Because Jesus is going to be the light of that place. That place where you can walk with him. For all of eternity. Amen. Amen. He's made a place for you. Whatever your age is. He's made a place for you. Don't live a typical life. Don't wind up just so lost out there. Scrabbling around from point A to point B. Your whole life just passing before you. Don't do that. Like the grass. Isn't that what the Bible said our, our life is like? That the sun rises on it. And it withers it. It's cut down and blows away. and You know, that's the end of it. He said that's what your life is like. But now God and those that have this truth, they're for eternity. They're not just for forever. Forever is small in comparison to eternity, church family. Eternity has no end to it. It's world without end. Everybody said amen. amen. Oh, yes. One of the saddest things, going out that intensive care unit, and you're walking out, and you just, you know, and I looked to the right when I did. There was a young lady there at a bed, and I guess it was her husband. And I say young. She didn't look to be 25 years old. I don't know what happened to that young man. But she just looked up with such longing in her face. Help us. 
Help us. You have an opportunity. You got up this morning. You're breathing. You got to come to church. You need to be real about that. And you don't, I don't need to fill all the denominational churches by you running out of here looking for a feel good that they'll give to you somewhere else, give you a little hand to shake and a little card to sign and make you a deacon or a deaconess, you know. No, no. You need an experience that's going to change your heart. You need what Jesus said. But once again, Jesus said you must be born again. Of water and of the Spirit. Of water means you get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's for the forgiveness and the full pardon and the sending away of all of your sins to be remembered no more. And then he's going to fill you with the free gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said praise him. And then you'll have a place. You'll fill, fulfill your... Everywhere Jesus went in the days of his flesh, he was fulfilling, fulfilling. It's written of me, and he fulfilled it. Everywhere he went, there were things... They said, you don't need to go to Calvary. He said, if I don't go to Calvary, how are the Scriptures going to be fulfilled? How's anybody ever going to get in a church? How's anybody ever going to go to heaven? I got to do it. I must needs go through it. There's a little woman waiting on me. She don't even know it yet. But man, I'm going to be there today and I'm going to tell her if she knew who she was talking to, she'd ask me and I'd give her the gift of eternal life. She'd never thirst again. <laughs> and she was dilly-dallying around and <laughs> she ran into more that day than she was expecting. And so Jesus said, well, go get your husband. She said, well, I don't have one of them. Well, no, you know why when I want them? Because there they ain't none of them being husbands out there now, are they? Got, got plenty of baby makers out there. Disease carriers and sharers and communicators out there. But now that, that when, we, when, they, when Cinta Bell talks to these young ladies and Stephanie talks to these young ladies about keeping themselves and getting to that place in life growing up, you know, 18 and up, and meet the right church guy and get your life together and get married, they look at her like, you're talking a language I don't understand. That's Greek. I don't speak Greek. You know? Because that's not the way that it is in the world. That's right. And this isn't the world. This is the church. This is the body of Christ. This is the Bible. Amen. Amen. And if you want to see that, then you got to get born again. Because Jesus said, you're not going to see my kingdom except you do that. And his kingdom is what you want to be a part of. He made a place for you. He made a place for you. And you'll realize how much better you're being influenced by something so much better. And if it makes you feel small and insignificant and humble, that's a good thing. That you can come to him and humbly confess your sins and he's going to forgive you of it all. He's ready to pardon, the book said. Quote, unquote. He is ready to pardon. Okay? He's not going in circles. He sits upon the circle, the scripture says. He's not going around in circles. Friend, he's ready. He's ready. You know, I'm come on, honey, you're going in circles. Let's go. We got to get going. You know, don't have to do that with God. God's not going around in circles. At what instant, that's in your Bible, at what instant, and another thing it said of the 12 tribes who instantly serve God day and night for the promise. You better think about how great what God has for you when you consider Abraham. 
who had the promises. What you got there in your pocket, Abraham? I got the promises, man. Just like telling the guy this morning, you lucky. I said, no, I'm blessed. I, I really have the blessing of God. I really do. I really do. And it's a whole lot more than a shiny penny in a parking lot, let me tell you. We had one sister stepped out in a parking lot. She had no job. She had no money. And I don't know why, but she was going into a store. And uh, she stepped out uh, and stepped out of the car and stepped on $240 in cash. Looked around, nobody around. There was nothing left to do but say thank you, Jesus, and pick up the $240. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just the truth. Amen. It doesn't matter if it's a penny or $240. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. Now, you know, I know you're standing. God love your heart. And so am I. But um, so we're partners in pain. But anyway, not really in pain, right? Um, what I am saying to you is, you know, we've challenged our children to learn to, you come to church, at least bring a penny. Back in the days of depression, sometimes people would put a button in the offering because they wanted to give God something. And I remember my pastor saying that, that uh, you, could, you could mail a postcard anywhere in the country for a penny. But he said, who had a penny? Nobody had it. Time of depression. And I'm saying to you that when the littlest comes, a penny, we thank God for it. And I mean that. I mean that literally. Sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, thank you, God, for every penny, every nickel, every dime, every quarter, every dollar, every five dollars, every ten dollars. Every hundred dollars, no, wait, I skipped fifty, fifty dollars, you know, I think I do twenties too, twenties and fifties. I tell you about the twenty dollar bill, right? Oh yeah, the twenty dollar bill and the one dollar bill got in an argument, big discussion, and the one dollar bill was complaining, because he said, you, twenty dollar bill, you get to go to all the fancy restaurants, you get to go to all the nice hotels, he said, and me? Dollar bill? He said, all I get is church, church, church. <laughs> well, the Bible said in everything, give thanks. That's your little, that's the little joke for the moment. Get to put the, I, I've been beating the, the horseshoe here, so I put it in water there for that. Cool you off. <laughs> but let me come back. We want to thank God, church. I mean, everything, give thanks. We want to thank him. We want to praise him. We want to ask him to help us to see the big picture, the grand scheme of things that we could somehow be a part of it and grow. And we could, like Simeon of old, hold Jesus up. Hold him up. Would you do that now? Would you lift your heart with your hands? Could you hold him up? Hold him up with your praise. Hold him up with your love. Hold him up with a sincere heart. And now, Lord, let mine eyes see thy salvation. Open mine understanding. Wherever I'm at in God, or if I haven't gotten there yet, wherever I'm at, God, let me see thy great salvation. Oh, God, let me see this lost and dying Tri-City area. Oh, God, let me see the sick 
the hospitals, the rehab, the prisons and the institutions, roaming up and down the streets, in the homes. Let me see them, O oh God. Let me see them. Let me know my place. Let me realize how blessed I am. You are the better. I'm on the receiving end. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise, Jesus Christ. I give you praise for life and strength and good health. I give you praise for the opportunity to be in your house today. To be in Sunday school and be taught. Have teachers that love me. Oh God, I praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship Him as she sings. They sing. Thank you. 